We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you found us, and it is wonderful to come to you with another wonderful edition. And I'll give you a rundown of exactly what we have coming up. But first and foremost, want to remind you guys of a number of things and a number of ways to be interactive with the program so you don't just listen, that you can be a part of it. And one of those ways is by going to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's WadesWordProductions.com. It's all things D-Wade, so you can check out several different things pertaining to what I have going on and what we have going on inside of Sports Talk with Devin Wade. But it's not just sports. It's other stuff. But that way you can check out everything and subscribe to the email list and get emails from us occasionally. I don't bombard you with emails, but on occasion we get emails out to you guys so you'll know what's going on with us. In addition to that, you can call the sports line. It's up 24 hours a day and leave a message. Call us and leave a message about anything, a question, a comment. Feedback about the show, feedback about your favorite team or your uh, most hated team, whatever the case may be, you can give us a call 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Get involved because from time to time we do play those phone calls in the We The People segment of the podcast. So you can check that out. Also, if you have music for us, music at Wade's Word Productions com as long as it's radio edit our resident dj dj anarchy you'll hear from him at halfway point but hey if you have music it doesn't matter if you're a dj and you want to send us some music music at wayswordproductions.com we prefer that it's relatively radio edit we, we try to be family friendly in these parts but that is uh, a way to get your music heard by thousands of people all over the world who tune in to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And finally, on social media, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook and at Wade's Word on Twitter. So all of those ways. And if you forget, just leave me a message and we'll send me an email, Devin at Wade'sWordProductions.com, and we'll uh, we'll get uh, we'll communicate with you so we'll get you caught up. This time out, we have a fun show for you. Former NBA basketball player, former Willow Ridge Eagle, Los Angeles Clipper, and former uh, what world basketball player. In addition to that, former Duke Blue Devil, all of those things, and a regular on the podcast, former player. Daniel Ewing will join us. We'll get a chance to hear from him. We'll talk. Uh, we'll do an, an edition of Ballin' or Fallin'. In addition to that, we'll talk about some HBCU basketball, and we'll talk about life in the bubble as the NBA gets a little bit closer to playing. And uh, in addition to that, we'll get over into some headlines, and we have Olamon Award. And before I let go. So with that, let's get into some Headlines. In headlines, unfortunately, more of the same as we are seeing. While, again, the clock keeps ticking and the calendar keeps turning, more and more we are seeing uh, 
we're getting closer, but we're not in a lot of these sports. I think it looks like basketball is for now okay. And as the teams have reported to the bubble, and, and as of this podcast, who knows what has been canceled since then. Most of the hits have come in the form of football, and we'll get into some of those. But in the NBA bubble, things are moving along. There are guys that are not going. Bradley Bill is the most prominent that's not going, although the Wizards weren't going raise any hell in the, in the bubble anyway so but he's not going a number of brooklyn nets aren't going they've signed michael beasley they've signed jamal crawford a lot of teams are filling out their rosters some guys are late getting there Nikola Jokic is late getting there. Uh, also, four Rockets, including uh, Coach John Lucas, Harden, and Westbrook weren't there. They didn't fly with the team, and they're making their way there. I think it's one other player with them. So those sorts of things are happening as we're moving closer to basketball happening in the bubble. Baseball is, again, moving forward. But six, I think we're up to six All-Stars that are not that are not going to participate, and that's unfortunate. But, again, it's understandable. I mean, it, it really is understandable. Record numbers. Things are going crazy in the United States. We are not handling things very well at all. Now they just want to just arbitrarily open schools up. Just, hey, it's, just open them all up, and whatever the hell happens, happens. And that's, that's really, really sad. It's really sad because that there will be – fatalities both kids i mean and that's not that's not me being this sort of you know dour that's the reality of the situation if you look at the odds and the mortality rate of this illness if you send millions of people back to campuses kids with pre-existing conditions teachers teachers with pre-existing conditions some teachers that are absolutely healthy who i, I may may fall victim to this this disease i mean so so this is these are crazy, crazy times in the world. And inside of KTSU Sports Talk, we have these discussions. And it's crazy because you have the reality of what's going on in the world with this disease. And then you have the fantasy land of football. And, you know, you think about this. I mean, and I hate to say it, but you know some teacher somewhere is going to die. And they're going to do a balloon release for the in a candlelight vigil at an appropriate social distancing. And maybe name the courtyard after the late teacher who gave her life because they reported back too soon during a pandemic with and the problem is not is not that okay at some point yes you have to go back but to send people back when the numbers are rising 50 60,000 people a day that are getting this that's a bit much it's just it does not make sense and with baseball and basketball and football which these decisions have to be made when you think about the baseball players that aren't going, a lot of them uh, either have family issues. Uh, one of them had a son, had a son, has a son with a respiratory issue. He didn't want to risk it. You have others with pregnant wives and, and newborns. They don't. Want, these are the decisions. This is the world where we are living in. And while we talk about, and it's weird, but we have to sort of have a little bit of cognitive dissonance where we just, okay, we know what's going on, but we're able to separate that and have fun thinking about sports to an extent the best we can. And, I, you know, but I think, again, you have to make rational decisions. As we get closer to college football, we see college football is not happening. Well, a full schedule is not being played in the Pac-12. 
or the Big Ten as both of those have gone to conference-only schedules. So that eliminated some big games. Notre Dame has had a couple of games eliminated, uh, the USC game, and also the game that was supposed to be played at Lambeau Field against Wisconsin. Both of those games have been canceled, and only uh, these conferences so far are the only two. I mean, we've seen the CIAA and the the SIAC uh, on the lower levels cancel. We've seen the Ivy League cancel, fall sports. And so I think more of this will continue to happen i don't think that you can have football we got into this discussion inside of ktsu sports talk i think kevin thought that i was crazy for what what i was saying so essentially in texas the uil is saying that each district is up to each district to determine if they can play football and i was saying across the board that football is not going to take place so he asked me he said well why why is it okay for high, do you agree that high schools, uh, the individual districts should have the ability to determine whether or not they'll play sports? And I said, yes. And he said, well, how can that be? That's a contradiction. Like, what are you talking about? Well, what I was talking about and what I am talking about is when you're talking about a state as large as Texas, theoretically, you may have areas like Wichita Falls and Alpine, Texas, and Cisco and Ranger are way out there, way away from everything. Their numbers may not be high. And if they have a district in which they don't travel very far, then, of course, that's not a big issue for them. They're all in the same area. So their, their issues are different from the issues in Houston or Dallas or San Antonio, or Edinburgh. So, I mean, if Houston, I mean, Texas is such a huge state. That's something that theoretically could work. Because, you know, you're talking about, I think it's 800 miles from between Houston and El Paso and, and all the places in between. So, no, it, I mean, and they're further, there are places further away than El Paso from Houston that is still in Texas. So those in the panhandle, they have their own thing going. So if they can play six-man football, if they can play in their district and they don't travel and their their numbers are down, then that's a whole different issue. So that's where I was coming from with that. Football, NFL having their issues with, okay, so now that you can play football, but you can't talk to your guys, your opponents after the game, and you can't swap jerseys. I mean, some of this stuff, and I know people are just trying to figure it out, but some of it just is stupid. I mean, I don't want to beat people up for trying something but let's kind of think this thing through a little bit you want me to breathe and sweat and scratch and bleed on another human being for three hours and then in the five minutes after the game that you are able to, to have a brief conversation you can't exchange jerseys it's so easy to just just talk bad about them but somebody is trying to be thoughtful it's stupid but the intent is good in the end, I, I mean, you can scratch that. I, because, it, and I think football will, NFL, I think NFL football will take place to whatever extent, well, however that looks, I think it will take place. NCAA football, on the lower levels, I would say no. Maybe, maybe a couple of the Power Fives are able to go forward with the conference only schedule. What that will do for the playoffs, who knows? But again, unprecedented times, unprecedented measures. We'll have to see how this thing goes. Also in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes signed that big deal. Uh, Ten years, $450 million, 150 so are guaranteed, is guaranteed. And, and we talked a little bit about that this morning. But the other thing about that is I think it's a smart move because, A, 
NFL contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on because if he wants in a couple of years and, and really the, say the salary cap expands exponentially and I mean, just money from everywhere. Maybe they start to get NBA money in China or what the NBA used to get in China, whatever, whatever. They grow in Europe and they have money from some unknown sources that we didn't imagine and the salary cap just expands. So guess what Pat Mahomes is going to do then? Uh, what he will do then at that point, he will sit out and they will be forced to renegotiate. And he'll be fine. And if he does not live up to uh, what they think he ought to be for $45 million a year, then guess what they will do? They will cut him. He will have his guaranteed money. But I think what he did by with the 10 years is that prorates, the, the guaranteed money is prorated over the length of the contract. Now, again, don't quote me exactly on the, the legalese of the NFL salary cap. And I tell this story before. Uh, they have a thing. Well, when the Texans came, they had Charlie Cashley and someone else in the organization teach the media a class called Salary Cap 101. And when I tell you, man, it there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of dates. There are a lot, it's, it's a very complicated thing that if you don't deal with it on a regular basis, you're like, whoa, let me figure this thing out. There are calendar dates. There's their there uh, NFL calendar dates. There, I mean, it's prorations and accelerations it there's a lot with that but i think what he's done is that the salary cap hit each year is not very much and that allows that team to sign quality players and that's a big big deal uh, because he wants to have talent around him and to win and, and that's why I like seattle and some of these teams had early success before they had to pay the quarterback these quarterbacks were still on their rookie deals and they were able to pay other people and got quality production out of really young quarterbacks. Now, the other thing and uh, the big uh, news in the NFL also was Deshaun Jackson posting a what they said was may or may not have been a quote from Hitler. And it basically and I'm paraphrasing because essentially it says something to the effect of. Uh, that Jews have fooled white America into not realizing that the African Americans are really part of the uh, the true people of Israel. Something it got. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I honestly, I didn't delve into it because you have to know that if you delve into that in any kind of way and if you don't have histor uh, historical context if you're not well versed if you're not well read if you're not well educated you can say something stupid as hell and that's exactly what he did and then stephen jackson came to his defense now let's unpack this a little bit in the in the name of being fair what has to happen in a situation like that is whatever he gets, he gets. Whatever punishment the Philadelphia Eagles want to dole out, he did it to himself. And, and I, I can't say, oh, don't punish him. But if somebody would have said it about African-Americans, well, you, you got to get him. When you, when you, even if it's ignorant, you have to. Because we're hearing a lot of ignorant things these days from white people about black people. And we want to make them pay in many cases, and rightfully so. Ignorance is not an excuse. And so whatever he – but now here's the caveat, though. The Philadelphia Eagles, when 2013, Riley Cooper said he, he would whoop every ass in the place. He was talking big. He was, he was doing the most. 
And not only did he not get cut, I think he took a week off, and then he got a, a contract extension. Same organization. I will say this: that was if Riley Cooper done that today, oh, he'd be banned from the NFL for life. That shows how quickly and, and how aware we are becoming. I mean, if you look four years ago, Goodell, they, he he is all but apologizing to Colin Kaepernick, and I guarantee it's legal reasons why he won't out and out name him and you know apologize specifically to him he's apologizing around him but not to him that being said if i had get into the comments themselves and you think about deshaun jackson honestly if i had to put my house on it and my two choices were he's an anti-semite or the other choice is he don't know what the hell he's talking about he just got in the moment he got caught up and he just posted some he didn't realize he was posting if I had to bet my house on one or the other, I would bet my house. He got in over his head. He didn't know what in the hell he was posting. But that being said, that's not an excuse these days. Uh, Julian Edelman has reached out to educate him, and that'll open up some dialogue. And he will, by the end of the day, he may be reading the Torah. So, I mean, <laughs> this happens sometimes. You get caught up in the moment. You see something on social media. and you I mean, I would imagine. And I don't want anybody to do it. But if you look at my 32,000 posts, I'm sure I've posted something insensitive to somebody. Not a group. I wouldn't think not because nothing like that. But you may repost something. And I don't think he knew what the hell he was talking about. That being said, he's going to get education and real quick. And it's going to cost him a lot of money as well. But that's how it goes. And again, it's an effort for all of us to become more aware of what we're doing, what we're saying, and how we treat other people and not discriminating against any other group. With that, that'll wrap things up for the first half of the show. Want to get into a word from our sponsor, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. That's my guy. And then on the other side, we will hear from Daniel Ewing with a, uh, an edition of Ball in the Fallen. And we will give out a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Homes through Keller Williams. This is for my new DJ Anarchy Yeah, this is hard. Fuck a lovely battle, baby. This is hard to say. I want to make sure I go about this in the right way. Cause lately I've been busy a lot. 
And I know you don't feel appreciated and whatnot. I used to tell you that you're here. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And he goes uh, Instagram Live. I know he's been doing it Saturday mornings. I don't know if he's still doing it. But that's our guy, DJ Anarchy. Show him some love on Instagram, on SoundCloud if you get an opportunity. Going to get into a conversation we had with a guy who is becoming sort of a, a relatively frequent guest on the podcast we certainly appreciate his input and he has some new endeavors coming up he talks about that and a whole lot more here is our conversation with former nba player daniel ewing for more content go to wadewordproductions.com As promised, uh, one of the special teams unit, one of our guys, former NBA player, former Duke Blue Devil. I guess you're always a Duke uh, Blue Devil. Daniel Ewing is in the building. How are you this afternoon? Devin, what's going on, man? I'm good. Hey, man, it's good to talk to you. It's good to talk to a lot of folks these days when uh, we're concerned about being sort of the epi- almost the epicenter of this pandemic right now with everybody getting COVID. The family, everybody's safe, everybody healthy. Man, yeah, for all that we know, everybody's good, man. Just trying to, like you said, it's gotten a little bit more difficult now with Houston uh, being one of the, the hottest spots in the country. So, yeah, man, just trying to stay safe and out the way. Yeah, and like I said, as long as the hurricanes stay away, I mean, we can deal with the heat. The heat, is a, it comes with it, but we're about to get those 100-degree days. It's going to be hard to wear masks out, but we got to. I mean, just you just have to to get through this thing. I want to ask you a couple of things, and I want to get into a, a deeper discussion. I also brought you in so we can have an edition of Ballin' or Fallin'. That is when I will give you a player team entity situation, and you tell me if they are balling or falling. And uh, it's a lot to get into because the NBA, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you now is it's getting close to basketball again, and it's seeming like it's going to happen uh, more and more as teams start to report this week. I'm going to ask you about three different things. Let's start with the NBA season completing in the bubble is that balling or falling definitely balling i would say that uh the nba season's plan to restart is 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 a balling is a balling move i mean just considering everything that's going on the business of everything like the, the nba will be losing out on tons of millions of dollars if they don't if they can't get this season back started so do you think they'll finish though see because again i i'm it looks like they're getting very close to starting do you think uh, they will be able to come through this unscathed where they can actually complete this whole entire process well that's yet to be determined uh just like i said i mean so many so much stuff is just so many different variables that we still don't understand and that we still can't predict and that they still can't predict with the you know with with all that's going on more specifically the coronavirus so I mean that's still to be that's to be determined. Uh, hopefully, uh, they have the right things in place with the bubble and and the bubble stays intact and guys can follow these rules to the, you know, to the to the best that they can and they have a successful restart and, and be able to finish. Yeah, and see, my contention is it's hard to imagine that these guys are gonna all abide by the rules because it's hard. It's it's quite frankly, it's very difficult to stay sequestered anyway. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it is because you played overseas. So in a way, even though you weren't sequestered in a bubble per se, you were away from home and all the things that you knew in a lot of different situations. How difficult was it just to keep your mind on basketball when you couldn't be around the comforts of home? 
home and family and and friends and all the things that you're familiar with. How difficult was that throughout your career playing overseas? Man, honestly, that's been my life the last, you know, the last 12, 13 years. You know, like I said, playing overseas, that's that's basically what it is. What the guys are about to experience in this NBA situation with the restart and the bubble and, you know, playing without fans, that's kind of, I mean, a lot of situations overseas is like that to a degree. Now, granted, you don't have any fans, but, like, you know, it, it'd be some situations where teams don't have a big fan base and it's almost like playing in front of no, you know, it's almost like playing in front of no fans. And after the game, you go home, like you said, you're away from family if your family's not with you. You go home, you grab something to eat, and you you know you back in your you back in your room, you back in your at your apartment for for the rest of the night or the rest of the day. How many years did it take you to really adjust to that? Because again, I, I know a lot. The inclination is, oh, I me, mean, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I really want to do this. Let me go back home. How hard was it, for, especially in the first couple of years, for you to do it? It was tough, but it, it was it was easier the first like the first five years. My my wife was with me. Uh, at the time, she was, you know, she was still my girlfriend. But, you know, uh, but the first five years, we were together every year for the most part, for most of the year. And uh, once we got married and started having kids, that's when she 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 would stay back home in Houston. And I would go do the, you know, do the seasons by myself, which which at that time, you know, I was used to, the you know, the routine and how things work no matter where I went. It just was a matter of getting adjusted to the different countries and places I was in. But that also made it a little bit difficult not having, you know, not having your wife there, not having your family there. That definitely makes it tough. But at the same time, it's the sacrifice I had to make, you know, to, you know, to provide and, and, to, and to do a job. What advice would you give NBA guys going into the bubble, like as far as their mindset? What would you tell a guy? Uh, because, again, you do have a relatable kind of experience. What would you tell these guys before they head into the bubble? And it's tough because it's different for each individual. Like for a guy like myself, yes, I, I would love to spend time with my family more, you know, in, in some of those years where they, w- where they weren't able to come over. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, it was for me, for me personally, it was I knew that I couldn't have my family there, especially when we started having kids. I couldn't have them there for the whole season for the simple fact that the confinements of what we're used to was much smaller because you're in an apartment as opposed to in a home. You know, just the lack of time that you have with practicing twice a day. You know, it's just a lot. It's a lot juggling for me, uh, you know, being, being the guy that's have to have, having to do the work. But some guys just it's a necessity for them to be around and be with their family. So I understand that part also. Like I said, it's it's. It just depends on the individual. But a lot of them guys don't have to worry about, well, how many teams is it? It's 22 teams. 22 teams, yeah. Six of those teams don't really have to worry about being there for a long time. Like, they, you know, after, after the first eight games, they're out of there. So how long is that? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's really only like a handful of teams that really have to really get their minds prepared to be there for the three or the three months that, you know, to, to try to pursue a championship. Well, as it pertains to the, the question we started with NBA, uh, whether or not the uh, NBA will finish this season, I'm going to say the odds of that happening are falling. And I will say this because I just, I just, there are too many variables. It seems like they're headed in the right direction, but more and more we're seeing guys not happy about it. And really, if if one team is taken out of the mix in the playoffs, that could derail the whole the whole thing. And, and if a, a couple of superstars get it, you it could take out because again, while the players are quarantined, and that's if they abide by that, the staff, support staff around them, the hotel folks that come in and out, they are not 
quarantine. They can go home. And, and of course, we know that Florida is the worst state right now as it pertains to new cases of COVID. So it's going to be tough. I know that they're going to make every effort, but we'll see how it goes moving forward. The next thing up in balling or falling is the champ after this process, if they are able to finish and crown a champ. Is it a legit championship? Is that balling or falling? I would say it's balling. I would, I would say it's balling because considering the restart, everybody's starting at the blocks at the same time. They've had this three-month, four-month layoff. No team has an advantage going into any situation. So I think the mental toughness and, you know, and just, just being locked in for however long these guys have to be locked in to get this championship, I think that's going to say a lot about whoever wins. Now, granted, like you said, Devin, granted, if they can finish the season and things, you know, and, and there's no big hiccups and no big, you know, teams don't lose their stars. You know, if, if things can go without any big hiccups, whoever wins, I think it's it's a big – you have to take your hats off to them to, to fight through all that. You know, like I said, it's not just the coronavirus, but just dealing with, you know, being away from home, the whole environment of the social issue, you know, the social injustice and, and all the stuff that's going on. It's a lot going on for guys, you know, guys to be thinking about. So uh, I think it's a balling move. Whoever whoever can win this thing, if they're able to finish. And I'm going to say that that is falling. And, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why that's falling. It's falling because I look at it like this. If you look at the arc of the season from when they started in October all the way until they stopped playing in the middle of March. Is this a continuation of that? And we know that it's not. You can't take four months off and expect things. Like, I, I'll give you an example. Say if a team like the, uh, let's see, the Washington Wizards or, or the Brooklyn Nets win the championship. Nobody's going to say, well, wait a minute, that's legit. Because we know that had, I mean, I, and I don't think that's going to happen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's not, not realistic. Yeah, that's not going to happen, personally. But I'm just saying, say if a surprise team. And the, the team that I'm thinking of the team that I'm thinking of is the Toronto Raptors. I think because they got down there before everybody else and they seem to be locked in from what you're hearing a little bit more than I think other teams. So just say if, if Toronto wins, I would say that had the season continued, we knew there was a collision course in the West between the Clippers and the Lakers. And, you know, maybe Milwaukee would be a team to meet in the finals, but the finals would essentially be determined in the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Clippers. Now, you throw all of that out of the window. You have Avery Bradley that's not playing. Uh, and then you don't know, it may be guys who, for other reasons, have to leave. Say if somebody's kid gets sick or their spouse gets sick and they have to leave the bubble in the middle of the playoffs. So I don't think that this, this is a legit indication of what would have happened. I always said that they should call this like the NBA Cup. Because it's a legit competition. It's just not a completion of a whole season. Because, I mean, it's, it's longer than the offseason. They have four months off between games. So it's not it's, – I, I can listen to arguments on both sides, but this is not a continuation of the 2019-2020 season. So that's what, what I meant by that. But to your, I mean, to your point, you're right. And like I said, this is unprecedented times all the way around and just about every scenario that we can – that we can talk about, which for me, why I say it's a balling move. Like I say, just depending on the things that happen in the bubble. Just let's just say everything is pretty much perfect, right? No team loses, no star player, you know, no team, no actual whole team has to drop out or anything like that. And there's no significant injuries to you know to any key players on any team. I still think it's a you know it's a 
it's a legitimate playoff situation where you know the teams that's supposed to that's supposed to be in that race are going to be in a race. Let me ask you this, because we know that some guys had access to, to basketball and basketball courts and shooting. Uh, I mean, obviously now the, in the last few weeks, things have opened up a lot more, but there are a number of guys who hadn't picked up a basketball for months. I mean, you see a guy like Harden come in in great shape. We saw Jokic in Denver come, come in great shape. I mean, although he's sick, he's not going to be able to be there, but he's lost a bunch of weight. And so the couple guy, uh, the couple guys around the league lost a lot of weight, got in shape, but a lot of guys didn't even have an opportunity to pick up ba- a basketball. How long do you think it'll take those guys to round back into shape after not really playing basketball for three or four months? It depends. And like I said, I think I think initially, like let's say let's say the first month was really the toughest for you know for the guys who may be living in the in the cities and in apartments where you know where they didn't have access to you know to the to the stuff that they needed. I think after that, things were, you know, things, the teams, each team sent out what, what the players needed as far as workout stuff and, and and following up with guys to make sure at least they would be in shape. Uh, like you said, stuff has opened up over the past month everywhere. So you know, I think guys have been in the gym for at least a month before they before they even got back to their, you know, to their respective cities and teams trying to work out in, at the facilities. I don't I mean, these guys are professionals, man. The era of, you know, guys training year round is, is, is legit. So I think these guys, I think, you know, I think it, I think they'll be ready to go for the most part. And by the time the playoffs hit, I think things will, will look, you know what I'm saying, will look pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good compared to what we're used to a playoff, you know, the playoff atmosphere looking like. Yeah, and I see where uh, you look at Bradley Beal pulling uh, pulling out yesterday. Dinwiddie is not there yet. Jokic is going to be a little late getting in. So there's still some stragglers that that are going mean, to it's, it's going to be an issue getting in, and they'll have a little bit less time with their teams. Finally, in balling or falling, let's talk about the Houston Rockets. They have been sort of. In the venues you've heard people actually talk about basketball on the court, the Rockets have sort of been a team that people are getting on the bandwagon saying this team is maybe built for this kind of format. Are the Rockets being legit contenders? Is that balling or falling? (laughs) For me, that's falling, man. I keep on falling. I don't care how you look at it. Are the Rockets a legit contender to win? I wouldn't say that. You know, Grant, like I said, now that the way things are coming back and, and the season's restarting, I think everybody has, you know, has a fair amount, has the same amount, you know, have the same same percentage, to, you know, to do something special this season. But just based on the Rockets' personnel and, you know, and what, what they have, I don't see them, like I said, if all things go as planned and no teams suffer any significant injuries or, you know, or any, you know, any key players have to sit because of catching the virus, I don't think the Rockets – can't compete with the Lakers or the Clippers and, and you know what I'm saying, and, and becoming and getting to the finals. Yeah, and I agree with you on that one. I think that's falling as well um, because, again, you know, some of the same deficiencies, once you get into a series, they're going to be exploited. No matter what all the chaos is, at some point, you have to believe that you'll get into a playoff series that's going to look like any other playoff series, and that's where I think the Rockets will have – a lot of issues. And, and then, you know, like I said, if you want to take into account the circumstances, you have older coaches. You know, I'm, I worry about D'Antoni, although he said yesterday he's not worried at all. But, I worry, you know, you worry about oh, well, what if a coach goes down and, you know, and he can't be there. I mean, there's a lot. But I, I think once you get to just back, X's and O's basketball, I think you're right in that. 
I mean, once you get to real legitimate matchups, it's going to be hard for the Rockets to match up in, in those situations. What do you think will be the most difficult part about this entire thing over the next couple of months? Honestly, man, the virus itself is the most concerning thing. Uh, you know, being like I said, we, we're still finding out new information about this thing every every other day, if not every day. Also, the location of where the restart is taking place is is a hot spot itself. You know, the, the state of Florida is, you know, is one of the hottest places right now. As far as cases going up, also, so that's no, no, that's concerning. But just guys, I think guys, like I said, being able to lock in mentally. I think if if whoever can do whatever team can can do that the best, you know, on all cylinders, that's the team that has the best chances, you know, of of coming out this thing, you know, uh, crowning themselves as a champion. A couple other things I wanted to ask you about now that I have you here: college basketball. How do you think any of this? Because I don't think we're going to have college football. Not not in the fall. I don't think we're going to have it. How do you think this will affect uh, college basketball? Are you talking about the, how the NBA goes? No, no. Just in, just, in reference just, to, I mean, uh, we know, you know, uh, can you think about this? The NBA season won't wrap up until October. Do you think that college basketball will be played in the fall? Because we know that it starts in the fall, but all your, really all your conference games start in January. But right, um, right. do you think they'll they'll play a, a normal basketball season in college? Maybe not. I think a lot of it depends on how this how this NBA thing goes, right? If they can finish, if the NBA can finish their restart season, I think that gives a lot of optimism to, you know, to the college basketball landscape, especially considering that their season starts a little bit later, like say in the fall. College football, on the other hand, is a little bit different because, you know, they were really supposed to be starting up at some time in August. You know, the first game start kicking off in August. So their season is a little bit, you know, at question. Uh, but college basketball has a, has a little bit more time to try to figure this thing out. But it, man, like I said, it's just so many so many variables that we uh, that we still just still unsure of that you know it's hard to predict anything right now. Yeah, and I want to ask you also about the Black Lives Matter movement and all the things that are happening in reference to really folks, you know, awakening themselves to the realities of the world. We're starting to see some of these young African-American student athletes opt to go to HBCUs instead of going. We, we saw the kid, McCour Maker, who decided to not go to UCLA, but to go to Howard instead. We're starting to see more and more conversation about guys going to black colleges uh, what are you what are your thoughts on that is that something you think is going to be a movement is this a thing that is going to is this the start of a new day or this or you'll find a few guys here and there that will make that decision honestly man i it would be great if that would it if it became a movement right but like i said it's just uh it would take a lot of time right it would take a lot of time and, and then you know you have to you actually have to have a you know, a actual, you know, a high success rate of, you know, how that looks once guys go do that. You know what I'm saying? McCure Maker being the first, I salute him for, you know, for, for trying to, to start the change. Uh, but a, a lot has to go right for this, you know, for this to really become, you know, for, for it to really become impactful. You know, a lot, a lot has to be in place and a lot has to go right. For me, I think the ideal situation for this to really be an impactful movement or an impactful thing that, that starts to, you know, change things in the college landscape is it would be, it would have to be like a fab five type situation where, you know, with four or five of the top high school kids all go to one school. You know what I'm saying? They have, you know, and, and, and like I said, like similar like the fab five and have this great big season you know where, where they're able to compete on you know on the on the bigger on the bigger stages, uh, 
and also, you know, do well in it. You know, because it, when you go to these HBCUs, you're not guaranteed to make it to the tournament. You know, no matter how well you do in your conference tournament, you know, you can go undefeated in the conference play and then end up, you know, losing in the championship or the conference tournament. And then, there, you know. And you're out. We, yeah. Yeah, 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 we don't have, we don't get to see that. You know, we don't get to see you. So, like I said, a lot, a lot has to go into, you know, which school, which school, which school do they go to? Which school, you know what I'm saying? Which school, which school do you go to? Uh, has it, you know, would be would be important also. Would be more important considering we talking about kids going to HBCUs or top talent going to HBCUs. Like which which HBCU do you pick? I think it's something that's you know just really if God's gonna do, they really have to have how to really have the really gotta really have the, the things in order and lined up and, and understand, you know, understanding the best situation that's gonna, you know, that's gonna really be impactful for not only for themselves, but you know, to to help the to help the school uh, and the team that they're playing for. You went to you know, basketball royalty and going to Duke. And then you had a nephew that went to Texas Southern, that played at Texas Southern. So right. talk a little, for people who don't know, talk a little bit about the differences in the amenities and all of the things that come with playing at Duke that you may not get at a smaller school. Because I don't think people realize <laughs> how you guys, especially in North Carolina, you guys were household names. When you stepped on the campus, explain just the 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 amenities and the facilities and some of the things that you experienced at Duke that you wouldn't experience at a smaller school, not even at HBCU, but at a smaller school. Talk about those differences for me. Well, see, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say understanding all the you know all the things that go into making that decision of choosing. It. You know, if you decide, okay, I'm not going to go to a you know Duke or Kentucky or you know whatever, and I'm going to go to this HBCU. Uh, just understanding that, you know, it's a, it's a lot of guarantees when you go to, you know, the day elite schools, right? You're going to be on TV a certain amount of games. You know what I'm saying? You're playing in this conference. Most likely, you know, if you, your team's going to be in the tournament. You know, it's, it's just a lot of guarantees, and it's a lot of non-guarantees on the opposite end of that, you know, going to a smaller school or going to HBCU. But like I said, like just the, the resources and the, and the facilities, it's night and day. You know, a Duke compared to a, t- you know, what I'm saying we're just going to use TSU because you know that's what we reference right now. But it's, it's night and day. It's, I mean, it's really no comparison as far as far as that. So yeah. that's why you know the gap is so big. Like I said, this thing would really have to be thought out, and the kids who making these decisions would really have to have good advice and have, you know have to consult the right people, you know, to put them in the best situation and go to the you know go to the right situations. I think. A TSU, a school like a TSU, should should be one of the schools. Like if kids gonna really do this, should be one of the schools that's really considered, based on the history and you know the type of non-conference schedule that they played over the last ten years. You know what I'm saying? Right, ten years, right, like right. TSU non-conference schedule this year was probably the probably the best in any HBC, you know that any HBCU school, you know, could even have. A school like Prairie View also, considering, you know, what they got going on over there now. So I, I, it's yeah, really important. Yeah, if you went to TSU, you had plenty of opportunities to play against high caliber. And, and like right. I said, under the model you talked about, if you had a Fab Five go to Texas Southern and you run through that schedule and say right. you come out with only five, maybe four or five losses, you, even if you don't win your tournament, I would believe that you would have an opportunity to get an at-large bid because that's one thing that i've talked to, to dr charles mcclellan about we talk about that a lot uh, all the time trying to get that 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 secured at-large bid at the very least and and really across the board playing you know having better non-conference records and all of those things we think about because you want the swag of course uh you know i'm texas southern through and through as far as you know you, that's what my heart is and you want the, the the team and the university to be successful in that way and the 
conference. Even because if it can't be Texas Southern, I would love it if Prairie View were to get an at-large bid if they, you know, and maybe a, a year that they don't win the tournament or, or, or vice versa. So you know, it's a it's right. a tough thing, and you you think try to think about scenarios in which that can start to happen. But that's the thing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like like the kid. Okay, like I said. McCure Maker made a he made a hell of a decision, and I think you know what I'm saying, and it, and it can be impactful. We can look back on this, I don't know, you know, maybe five years from now, and be like, man, he was a trailblazer, right? Uh, but considering if you if you if you go back and if you go and look at Howard's record last year, right, that team is not you know like he he went to a one in fifteen team. That team was one in fifteen last year. So what kind of impact are they gonna have? You know what I'm saying? What kind of, is that team expected to win anything? Like you know what I'm saying, win anything next year because he's there? I don't think so. It's just one player, right? Uh, it's a lot of talented players at HBCU schools, but you know him just being one player, he doesn't really change the landscape. I don't think that much for for a one in fifteen team. So that's what I'm saying as far as picking the picking, you know, picking the right school. Now, how as far as prestige and tradition from just from a just a university and academic, you know, and 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 the history they have of, of having successful people who are alum there, I get that part of it. But from a basketball part of it, you know, I think, you know, he might have could have choose, you know, the 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 choice could have been a little bit different possibly. But, but, but I don't know why he chose, you know, I don't know why he, he chose. He went into that decision. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, you know what I'm saying? But from a basketball standpoint, what we're looking at, you know, of changing things, we're talking about kids, we're talking about African-American kids athletically going to HBCUs. We know, just, You know what I'm saying? Because we know kids go to HBCUs, you know, just to attend a university for academics, but we're talking about athletics. So from an athletic standpoint, I don't think it was the best decision to choose Howard, but like I said, we don't. I don't know why he chose. You know that what went into his decision. Right. Well, let's hope that he is, like I said, a trailblazer in making that decision. And I think a lot of people have eyes on the progression of his career, and a lot of kids and a lot of coaches will be following that on the high school and AAU level, and, and to say, hey, you know. Uh, and, and like I said, that's a whole another different component when you talk about AAU coaches and the, the influence that they have. But, you know, hey, man, I want to thank you for joining us. I, want, I know you have some new ventures coming up. If you want to share, here's the opportunity. What, what do you have coming up? Do you want to mention it yet or not yet? Oh, uh, no, we can mention it. Uh, actually, my trailer's already out, so I'm, I'm coming out with my podcast coming soon to all platforms. It was all a dream with Daniel Ewing. Uh, it'll be available on, on all platforms soon, and I'll be putting out my first episode real soon. And so what what will you be the focus of uh, your podcast? Because I know you, when you and I talked about it before, you said what did, you weren't going to just make it traditional sports, kind of sports-only podcast. What what are you uh, – what's sort of going to be the, the format or how are you going to uh, approach uh, the podcast? Well, it's, it's more so – uh, just talking to various athletes and, and different individuals and in various professions, you know, just about their journey, about their journey to success, you know, what they was able to overcome, you know, and just kind of, kind of, you know, kind of let them tell their story, you know, about where they came from and where they at now, just, just based on, you know, what, what they, what they, uh, what they was able to accomplish. And, and so even the non-sports fan would can appreciate uh, the, the arc and the journey that these guys uh, had on their way to success. So right, right. It sounds it sound very appealing. So, hey, it, uh, we look forward to that. And, of course, uh, can they reach out to you on social media? What can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on social media on both Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Mr. Daniel Ewing, that's Mr. M-R, uh, Daniel Ewing. And uh, you can check me out on my, on my podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at I W A A D 
podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Okay, and say it one more time so we'll get it in. My podcast, It Was All a Dream. You can check me out on both Twitter and Instagram at IWAAD Podcast. Hey, man, well, I look forward to it. And, and like I said, I'm just uh, rooting for you to have continued success. And I, I'm eager to hear hear those podcasts and uh, hear some interesting uh, stories about some uh, some athletes and their journeys to success. Man, I appreciate it, Devin. want to thank our guy Daniel Ewing for his input talking about life in the bubble. And if anybody can relate, it's a guy who has played overseas where you don't have your usual creature comforts. In some cases, uh, you not a lot of people speak your language. You don't usually have family and friends. And so yeah, as a basketball player who's played around in different countries around the world, uh, he's experienced that. And I think that that is the most relatable experience to something that nobody has experienced. And that, of course, is being in the NBA bubble. We certainly appreciate him and we look forward to hearing from him as he's a semi-regular guest. We, we enjoy having him. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports, usually in or around the world of sports, who is the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, I leave, I leave the country. I've been really tough on America, and rightfully so. We are imploding from the inside out. So I've been tough on America. Not only that, we won't wear a mask. We won't do anything we're supposed to do. We're, we're doing the most. We're doing the most for nothing when we can be smart, come together, and call corruption, corruption, and let's move forward and try to heal this country. We could be doing that, but instead, we're fighting people over wearing a damn mask. It, it's... it's Oh, it's so frustrating. But I, I will step away from that. I will not I will not go in on America this time for the Lamont Award. Instead, I am going across the Pacific to the land of the rising sun to Japan. The folks in Japan get a not all the folks in Japan, but certain folks in Japan get the Lamont Award this time. And let me tell you why. In Japan, of course, they were one of the early countries that were they were ravaged so much to the extent that they delayed the Olympics until next year. So the Olympics are postponed until next year because of the pandemic. And so they've dealt with it. They went on lockdown. They were, they've been wearing their mask. They've been wearing their mask for years and years. So it's not a thing for them. But they have been able to sort of get life going again with modifications. The new normal, as we talk about. Well, they reopened theme parks. Now, let's go on a little journey here. Let's think about theme parks. When you think about a theme park, and let's use Astroworld as an example. For all the folks here in Houston, let's think about Astroworld. When we were growing up, going to Astroworld, I worked there for a time. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But let me say this. Think about the, what, when you think about, let's go, through, let's go through some of your senses. Okay, so you park in the Astrodome parking lot, and you come over either on the tram or you walk over 16. You pay your money or you show your season pass. And you enter the theme park. What is the first? Let's let's talk about what do you see? Well, you usually see some sort of character that they have dressed up. Some I don't know what whatever the Six Flags was doing at the time, but way back they had their own little 
little mascots that were running around. You see that. You see families. You see kids running around. Everybody's happy. What do you smell? You maybe smell cotton candy or uh, waffle cones or what are the things that the, the little pastries that they put the uh, uh, funnel cakes, funnel cake. You hit funnel cake. You smell funnel cakes or whatever. Maybe turkey legs or whatever, whatever they had. I don't remember everything. But you smell different smells. And what do you hear? You maybe hear, you hear a little like childish like music in the background or maybe a banjo playing somewhere but you also hear screaming yelling from the roller coasters right well you won't hear that if you go to japan at least they don't want you to because theme parks in japan reopened but they have banned screaming on roller coasters now <laughs> let me say this again imagine because when you go into astral uh, to your right a little bit to the, I guess you're right, and a little bit behind you is uh, the Texas Cyclone. If you go straight ahead, always all the way to the back, Grease Lightning, and then you have Excalibur and all of that. I'm, I'm, these are just really for my Houston folks now when I'm talking about Astroworld. But you you hear folks screaming as the roller coasters rumble around, and, you, and that's just a part of it. It's ambient noise in a theme park. Well, you can't do that, and I don't know how they will enforce this. Now, the reason why, obviously, is when you yell and scream out loud, that promotes the spread of COVID-19 if you are carrying disease. So if you're yelling and putting particles out in the air and aerosols, <laughs> I'm trying to learn all of the lingo associated with, with the coronavirus. But you, you do that when you yell. Well, this time in Japan, they're saying, don't yell out loud, but scream in your heart. <laughs> scream in your heart. And to prove this, at the Fuji Q Highland Amusement Park recently, the chief executive and his corporate boss took a ride on the park's number one attraction, the Fujiyama roller coaster, and plunged 230 feet without so much as a peep. That is a quote from the Wall Street Journal. So they, they were able to do it. But can you imagine? How, raise your hand if you were able to do it. Because I know even... Probably because I had a season pass. Maybe over time I could kind of hold it in a little bit um, because, you know, you wanted to show out for a female or whatever. You wanted to, the, the girl you were with, you wanted to prove that you could handle the roller coaster. But more times than not, with the grease lightning, it's involuntary. It is so hard to do. And, and if you remember this, and they still do this at theme parks, they take pictures while the ride is going at some point in the ride there's a camera that takes shots continually of people and you see the facial expressions and most of those expressions have people with open mouths because they're screaming it's designed to make you scream and in japan you can't scream now i don't know how what are they gonna do are they gonna kick you out are they gonna have microphones and i don't how, how are you gonna determine who screamed and who didn't and is it their fault and if they get kicked out do they get kicked out do they get banned are they being belligerent if they yell? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, a 230-foot drop. I can't imagine it. But I tell you what, that's a pretty stupid idea. And it's worthy of an award. It's worthy of the Lamont Award because you all are big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a hilarious story when you think about it. How are you not going to scream? I mean, you have to really be mean mugging. You have to swallow that energy on a roller coaster. I don't know. Maybe if you get somebody to ride it 25 times, maybe by ride 
15 that they can hold it in. It's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. And it shouldn't be something that if you can't do all of that, it's almost like when you go somewhere with your boys. This is back in the day. When you go somewhere with your boys and one of your guys, he's riding, but he don't have any money for drinks. Or if he does, it's, it's I'm just going to have water with my order and an order of fries. <laughs> and I'm like, man, don't go if you can't go. But and same thing with roller coasters and Japan and Fujiyama roller coaster. If people can't enjoy themselves, I don't think that that's fair to say or reasonable to ask people to not scream and scream in their hearts. But whatever. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll follow up with this in a little bit to see if people actually are able to stop yelling collectively on roller coasters. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy Daniel Ewing. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to remind you guys, if you want to send us some music, you certainly can at music at wayswordproductions.com. Any genre, doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point, an extended portion of a song or mix at the end of the show. Uh, also, if you want to advertise, if you want to become a sponsor of the show, hit us up at advertise at wayswordproductions.com. That's advertise at wayswordproductions.com. Want to thank you guys for reminding you to give us a call, 832 6614 on the sports line and as always remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye this has been the sports talk with Devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word thank you for listening